Hey everybody and welcome to My EdTech Life. This is your host Fonz Mendoza and of course we have a wonderful guest here, the host of Leader of Learning podcast himself, Dr. Dan Cranus, who's here to just really we're going to have a great conversation uh, centered around uh, teacher PD growth mindset. So uh, Dr. Dan, thank you so much for finding some time to meet with us here on our podcast. And I know, I mean, like I said, we, we've met before through other shows, thanks to Tim Cavey and uh, Teachers on Fire podcast. But now it is a great honor and a pleasure to get to know you and, of course, have you as a guest so people can definitely continue to learn and connect. And I'm really excited about our conversation. So welcome. Thank you so much. I'm excited too. That that music in the in the intro video is amazing. I was definitely uh, nodding and, and bopping along to it, and um, I, I am excited to chat with you. But I think I'd be remiss if I did not take uh, just a second or two here to recognize that uh, today was a tough day, um, tough day for our country, tough day for a lot of people in our country. And um, while we're here to talk about you know ed tech and growth mindset and all that, um, the mi the mindsets of Americans right now is they're well they're all over the place and so I, I just needed to acknowledge that I hope you don't mind but um, you know we're, we'll we'll get through it by having a nice conversation here I see some people who are watching along and and I really appreciate uh, Mel and and Tim teachers on fire who are watching nice to see you again Mel thank you so much for that and Tim he always calls it the left coast maybe that's a Canadian thing. I call it the West Coast. I don't know. But uh, thank you, Tim, for tuning in from the left coast. There you go. So, guys, thank you so much. And, yes, of course, uh, Dr. Dan, thank you for sharing uh, You know that. It has been a very tough day. But, you know, it's things that we'll have to obviously learn from. And, you know, one of the things that I always say is, like, you know, sometimes when we come into tough situations, and at least through my experience, it's always been learning to improvise, adapt, and overcome. And, so hopefully together as educators in an educator community coming together, um, you know, will definitely help. And, you know, as we move forward. So, again, uh, we're just really excited again, having a wonderful conversation here. And uh, Dan, before we get into into our conversation, if you can just let, uh, you know, our audience members know just a little bit of, of who you are, your background, where you're coming from in education. Yeah, well, uh I am Dr. Dan Krinas, and I am from Connecticut, and this is my 15th year in education. It's almost hard to believe that I'm, I'm just about to get to like the second half of my career almost at this point, and uh, I may be turning 40 soon, too. Oh, wow. Um, so yeah, feeling old these days, but man, I, you know, I've been around for a little while and uh, I've bounced back and forth between uh, some different schools and even different states, spent some time in New York uh, as a, a teacher, uh, spent a lot of time as a coach. And, and I'm actually, uh, I just started two days ago, uh, actually, um, a role where I am not just an instructional coach and not just coaching one department, whereas before I was really only coaching in the English language arts department at one school building. Um, but I'm really harnessing, I think, my um, my more true talents now as a an instructional coach for digital learning and um, looking forward to having a larger impact and instead of working with one department in one building, I'll now be working across three different buildings in my district. And I want to give a shout out to Jeff Bradbury from the TeacherCast uh, brand and, and TeacherCast podcast because uh, he's on the team as well. He actually leads the team. And so the two of us, along with uh, a handful of other people, are, have now formed uh, what Jeff likes to call the Avengers, um, but basically the digital learning team in our district now. And we're just really excited to start some amazingly important work, which I think is to um, kind of bridge the gap, if you will, between COVID learning and what really should have been happening you know, for the last handful of years, which is to bring digital learning into the fold as a real thing and a real thing that is here to stay, you know, in the long term. Um, I hate, I always say, like, I hate when people say 21st century learning because we're 21 years now into the 21st century. And this should have been happening all, all along. But uh, I'm really excited to, to do this work in my district and, um, and just really kind of inspire 
um, more innovative and creative and real world relevant type of learning. You know, and that's something that is great. Uh, you know, Dan, as I was hearing you and listening to you, just the that enthusiasm and that passion moving into this new role, uh, you know, having that, uh, being able to help teachers out, the extending the reach. And, you know, in the end, you know, the, the people that are affected the most and hopefully obviously in a positive way is going to be the students as we're always continually trying to help our teachers better themselves and hone in their skills. And because, I mean, this isn't something that is very easy that you can just pick up from one day to the other. And, as time continues, I mean, it's it's a growing process and a learning process still, but, you know, just being able to hear you and the passion that you're bringing with the rest of the team, like you said, the Avengers, I'm sure that your district is definitely looking up to you guys and you guys are definitely going to come up with some great ideas to really, you know, pump up the teachers and really help them through this. And in the end, you know, have a positive impact on the student learning. And like you said, you know, we're 21, 21 years into the 21st century. And, you know, I completely agree with you. This is something that should have been taking place, you know, way before. But it's just one of those things that happened. And now we're, we're definitely working with it. Um, so going along with that, you know, like you said, this is something that should have been happening. You know, talking about teacher PD in your current role or, or prior to this, you know, as an instructional coach, you know, how difficult maybe at the time, or did you see any kind of, uh, find any obstacles as far as teacher professional development, as far as them buying into the tech, like maybe using Chromebooks or let's use the iPads, let's do this, or getting them maybe to one of your training sessions. Did you ever see any of those obstacles prior to, you know, COVID learning? Yeah, of course, man. I mean, um, you know, I wrote a 150-page dissertation, and and quite literally, the first line in the introduction, basically, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but it it basically says the one constant in education is that there is no constant in education; it's always changing. And um, I guess the sad reality, and and there's a lot of research out there to support it. I included that in in my dissertation as well. That says that um, you know teacher resistance and fixed mindsets are real. Uh, I did a whole podcast episode on, on, you know, breaking through uh, teacher resistance. And the fact is, is that, yeah, it's, it's always, unfortunately. Um, and, and I really think that the biggest reason why is that dreaded comfort zone, you know, a, a teacher, especially a veteran teacher gets set in their ways. Um, they find lessons and resources and, and things that, um, not only feel comfortable and feel right to them, but it just becomes easy and natural. And, and I like when things feel comfortable for, for teachers, but it, it can't come at the expense of, of students. And like I said before, that real world relevance. And if you're not changing and adapting, you know, really what, what are you doing? Um, you know, because education should, change all the time and, and it should not stay static and, and not, uh, and not get boring really. So, uh, whether it's technology or not, I do think that it, it can become a challenge, um, to, to deal with that. Like you said, that buy-in, uh, and the teacher resistance, um, you know, and it's always different things. Um, I think a handful of years ago, it was, schools and districts like mine who were starting to implement laptops and Chromebooks uh, like you alluded to and go one-to-one. -one. Clearly, we've worked our way up now to uh, potentially teachers not feeling comfortable with or even resisting um, new technologies like Zoom, Google Meet, uh, Microsoft Teams, whatever video chat platform you are likely using, uh, either in a remote or a hybrid setting during COVID times, um, and and I just think I do think that a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's just not comfortable. It's it's not something that people are used to, and, and that's where hopefully guys like me uh, and you come in to help teachers realize like there are people out there who can help you with that. You know, there are coaches and there are hopefully administrators, although they're, man, their hands are tied so much right now with um, dealing with all the things that they need to deal with to run their schools and run their districts. But um, teachers helping teachers to really, you know, navigate these difficult waters. But um, yeah, you know, 
getting out of the comfort zone, understanding that uh, in order to really keep pushing education forward, you need to try things that you haven't tried before. And that goes for teachers and students. And, but it's the teachers who are really supposed to be leading the way. Uh, that That's like a whole separate conversation too. Sometimes teachers need to get out of the way because they try and control too much of what's going on. Um, but at the very least, really to facilitate that student learning, the student use of technology, uh, the student content creation. You know, that's so much of what I'm about is getting students to actually create content, whether it gets published to the teacher or the class or actually gets put out there into the world. Um, I'm very passionate about that. And, and I think that that's sort of the next wave of that real world relevant learning that that I'd like to see. And, and I'm really excited to be a part of, like I said, in my district. And that is great. I mean, everything that you said there was like really spot on as far as the conversations that that uh, we're having today. And I think you also I wanted to bring up a point where, you, said, you know, when somebody's in their comfort zone, I mean, that's pretty much they're in control. And you, like you talked a little bit there about control. Sometimes, you know, it's very difficult to let go of something that, you know, has been working for you forever and that you've been doing. And maybe you've done it for 14, you know, 20, maybe plus more years. And then all of a sudden, it's like, hey, we're not within the four walls of my classroom. What am I going to do? This isn't what I was, you know, this isn't what I was expecting. How is this going to work? How, what's going on? And all of a sudden, all that anxiety, all that stuff builds up because, you know, you no longer have that control. But you mentioned a key word and what... These three words, I, I promise you, I'm actually, I was writing a blog about it, improvise, adapt, and overcome, but being able to adapt to the situation and being comfortable with that change. So, I mean, it, it, I think teachers oftentimes, they, it's that fear factor, the fear of the unknown, but it's it, it's something that is natural in anything. But I, I want to point out that, uh, I, I'm going to defend teachers here a little bit too. Like, I want to point out that teaching and teachers are so super passionate about what they do that sometimes it, it gets to the point where it's a fault of theirs. And I definitely want to go back to that uh, statement that you're posting there by mail because that's very interesting. Um, teachers to a fault can get so um, emotionally into what they're doing that uh, they, they really take things personally. And I think that's where some of that fear and that's where some of that control takeover. Uh, teachers are so passionate about what they do that sometimes when they feel like they are out getting out of control, it's very uncomfortable. And, and I can understand that, um, but it's also not necessarily conducive to a really effective, engaging learning environment. Um, Mel's comment, in case you're uh, not watching this live or maybe you're listening on the audio podcast side, is that the, her students want teacher-directed instruction 99% of the time. I'm hoping that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but I, I understand what Mel is saying when she says that um, the students find it foreign when she asks them to go and investigate things on their own. Just like teachers can be uncomfortable, students can be uncomfortable too. I mean, I, I was a classroom teacher for a long time. I understand that sometimes your idea as a teacher is to just turn time over to students and they're not used to it, right? Again, that's the comfort zone. They're used to teachers just talking at them and not talking to them and not being that guide on the side. And so, uh, like, I'll give you a perfect example, man. I, I don't know if you've ever done breakout EDU. Um, I feel like it was a little bit bigger a few years ago. Now it's sort of morphed into like digital breakouts and es escape rooms and, and things like that. But when I, I first got into doing some breakout EDU uh, games with students, maybe four or five years ago now, um, I was sort of unpleasantly surprised the first a couple times I did it that the students um, did not seem as engaged as I thought they would be and were getting more frustrated than I thought they would because they were sort of expecting things to be handed to them and to come easily and for the teacher to help them more than the teacher was helping them or that or I was was helping as the sort of facilitator. And, and we had to, I, I want to say we probably spent more time talking them through 
that aspect of the breakout than them actually doing the breakout because it was kind of it kind of got to the point where you had to sit them down and say you know guys this is supposed to be challenging you are supposed to have a difficult time doing it if you didn't it probably wouldn't be that fun uh to just solve everything right away um as a matter of fact he's escaping my room right now but my 10 year old son uh, sometimes goes through this as well. Whether it's schoolwork or even video games, he expects sometimes that things are going to come really easily or naturally to him. And I have to tell him, it's not going to be like that all the time. Uh, and 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 challenges, when you solve them eventually, hopefully, that's the fun in it. If everything was supposed to be easy, I mean, come on, how much fun would you really have? <laughs> yeah. And I agree with you. And, and going back to what Mel said, I mean, even going to school and just being given everything, you know, hear the handouts or, you know, be the kid that I raise my hand and say, I have a question. And then it's like, okay, let me help you. And then I keep raising my hand for the same, just until I got the right answer and I get the answer from the teacher. And then it just kind of turned into, you know, sometimes it's like, here's, here's this, here's everything that you need, but never was there that time, you know, and, and I did have some teachers that were great at, that would get you thinking and and we're doing that. But I'll be honest with you. I mean, coming into teaching, not going through a traditional education, you know, I have business degree and going into teaching and teaching math, pretty much it was here are, and at the time I'm aging myself here, you know, cause I'm close to a year aged in. I mean, I'll be there soon also this year in a couple of months. And I mean, they handed me a binder full of transparencies and a teacher edition book and say, here you go. And so now I'm like, okay, I don't oh, learn. I never learned Remember transparency. Yeah, yeah, they were I mean, around I would, my first couple of years. Definitely. I, I'd get out of there with my hand, you know, all different yep. colored and everything. Yep. So there I am, you know, teaching and, and it was really just, uh, all right, let's go. Well, let me show you how to do math. And, you know, there we go. There it went. And, you know, slowly I realized like, hey, you know what? It, it seems like I'm the one that's really doing all the work here. And, and yeah, the students are doing their weekly tests and quizzes, but, you know, I need them to get a little bit more engaged. And so then that's when I turned on the marketing skills and started selling, you know, a little bit more of that personalized kind of like, hey, project-based learning and trying to sell it to them in that way and trying to provide that real world experience. And so it was kind of like a learn as you go on the job. And that's the way it's been for, well, that's the way it was for 11 years up until I got to this position, but I'm still learning on that. But I saw it as a student. I know even my students at the beginning saw that until, you know, I really started to hone in my skills and really reaching out to the people that teachers in our, in our district that were, that I saw were doing some great things. And then of course, all of a sudden social media pops up and now I'm on Instagram following teachers. I'm on Facebook. I'm there and, and seeing these things and I'm like, wow. And so it wasn't easy. Like Mel said, there was a lot of students that were like, wait a minute, like this is, this is foreign. The, the students were in their comfort zone too of, Hey, just give me the handout. Let me do this. And let me just get exam state exam ready. And I'm good to go. I've done everything that I need to do. That's my place. But yeah, I mean, you're not really building up those future of work skills with, you know, just answering multiple choice questions. You need to have that collaboration. You need to have, um, you know, those tech skills, communication skills and so on. So, you know, it's, it's something that's very different, you know, now where everything is, you know, hey, everything's online and sometimes the adapting process, that fear of learning, that fear of change, you know, is definitely an obstacle there. And and so that's some some of the things that we're seeing. So what what are some of the things that you have done or maybe some of the, the best practices that you have seen that you can share with us that have been able to help teachers adapt or transform or just really having them feel comfortable with our new environment, you know? Yeah, that's a great question. And and so much of what I've done in terms of my own research. Before we get to that though, I know you you're at you're supposed to ask me the questions and all that, but <laughs> I wanted to go back to something that you said because I don't want you to just gloss over it. I think it's extremely important. You said something about how, and I think you were talking about you maybe earlier in, in your career. I could be wrong, but something about how you realized that as a teacher, you were doing 
so much more work than the students. And and I think that I would love to appeal to anyone watching this right now live or, or coming back and, and watching or listening later. Uh, really think about that. Think about yourself. If you're a classroom teacher, think about the teachers you work with. Um, who's doing most of the work in the classroom? Uh, and, and in terms of the, the planning and, and all that, you know, as an ELA teacher earlier in my career, I can't tell you how much it helped me when I made that mind shift to say, what well, I'm, I'm doing more work on my students writing than they're doing. I was grading way too much. I was using that red, you know, correction mm -hmm. marker, all the red ink too much, man. And, and, and when I started implementing, you know, more of like a peer review and peer editing process and, and started not nearly taking as much work home with me. Oh my God, my life changed. It really did. And so, um, I really love that you said that, and I wanted to highlight that. And um, I also wanted to acknowledge that somebody, I want to say it was Maria, um, summed up the points that we were trying to make a, a couple of minutes ago where she said it's beyond an educational skill, it's a life skill. And, and I think that was referring to sort of that perseverance uh, by students where you do need to turn time over to them and they do need to you know, go through that productive struggle and that not everything is going to come easily because let's face it, life isn't easy and, and they're going to have to deal with that later on. So I love that. Not forgetting about or dodging the question that you asked me though, um, some of the stuff that I've done personally or have been part of over the years um, ha has to deal with, like I said already, um, some student content creation. Uh, obviously, I'm a big fan of podcasting. And so having opportunities to get students to podcast, and I don't mean starting a show necessarily. I just mean, um, you know, taking what students have learned in class. And um, I'm noticing that I'm getting a little glitchy. Am I all right? Am, am I still sounding um, good? You're, on your... you're sounding okay. great. All right. I'm, I'm, my own video is glitching. And I, I think it happened when the little scroller went through. Anyway, um, getting students to uh, say or write about what they have learned in class, but maybe do it in a different way. Uh, podcasting or even, you know, a Flipgrid, uh, what do they call them now? Flipgrid topics, Flipgrid groups. Am I getting the terminology right? I should get this right. I'm a Flipgrid ambassador. I think they're called groups now. Somebody correct yeah. me in the chat if I'm wrong. They're, are they groups? They used to be, they used to be grids and topics. Now they're you the groups or something short. Videos. Anyway, I think they're groups. Um, but anyway, you know, starting a group in Flipgrid and having students respond to uh, responses and prompts and, and hopefully each other um, is a great way to do things. So, so those are some of the, I would say, game changing type of, of ed tech uh, strategies that we've used to uh, really propel that real world relevance in, in terms of the learning. Um, I'll never forget the first time I brought uh, augmented and virtual reality into a school. Uh, which I, I know you're you're big into that. Um, so it's dead by now, but that app Orasma, which turned into like HP mm -hmm. something or other. So back in, I want to say like 2017, um, I helped uh, a social studies class do some virtual field trips uh, right in, in their own classroom. Uh, and then we branched out and I, I kept bringing it into other classes and, and things. But um I think that the teacher said, you know, I really want to get my students to learn and experience ancient Rome and Greece. And, you know, they were doing some kind of a sixth grade social studies unit on that. And I said, I, I really think I got the perfect thing for you, you know, and um, just being able to show student learning in such different ways. Uh, that's really what I've tried to push. And that's really I think what has made a, uh, a really big difference in terms of the student learning being more engaging, but I think even more importantly, more relevant so that um, it sticks with them better and longer. And, and hopefully they'll actually be able to answer the question when they ask the teacher, um, when am I ever going to need to know this? Because they will, they do, you know, and teachers don't often have the answer. If you don't have the answer, probably probably want to change something that you or they are doing 
Yeah, no. And going back to what you're saying, I, I really love what you brought up, you know, using Flipgrid, using uh, tools like uh, Erasmo or HP Reveal that it turned into, but now it's no longer around. But going back even to, to what you were saying about being an ELA teacher, one of the things when I first got into this position and going out to do trainings, and one of the big selling points was when I was a fifth grade teacher, you know, I was working in a pod. So I would do science and social studies. The other teacher would do uh, math. And then the other teacher would do all the ELA subjects. And of course, they had the composition notebook, the little mini black composition notebook that's like 20 cents at, um, you know, at whatever store sometimes when they're on sale. And so I would see her leave with that like every week. And you're talking about three rotations. So that's about 60 students, maybe even more. And she would have to go and she would grade everything based on the story of the week or, you know, whatever novel it was that they were reading. And uh, so then I said, hey, have you ever thought about maybe doing some peer editing? You know, of course, using Google Docs or even using Google Slides and create that because I told her, I was like, you're taking all of this and pretty much, like you said, who's the one that's doing more of the reading? You're the one that's doing all the reading. The students aren't doing the reading. They're not doing the pre-review. So maybe just like you said, the, some of those tools to substitute that, but now you're building up the collaboration skills. Like you said, with Flipgrid, you know, being a Flipgrid ambassador and giving student voice and choice. I think those are some great tools where teachers not only get to hear the student responses, but you really build community. And that's one of the things that I really love and giving the student voice and actually hearing their thoughts, their thought process. And like Mel mentioned here too, now if you've got those students that are shy, that don't like to come out on camera, you've got the mic only option. And that's one thing that I love the most, being able to give that student the voice and hear their thought process. Because we know not every student learns the same way or, or goes through the thought process the same way. So giving them that space to be able to explain things to you. And there's they may still get to the right answer, but it just may not be the way we get to it, but they still get to the right answer. And so I love tools like yeah. that. Like I'm I'm definitely not an expert in this area, but when it comes to learning styles, I mean there's so much conflicting research out there. Some say it's a thing, some say it's not a thing. Um, but I think what you just mentioned is that regardless of how someone learns, they likely have a preferred outlet in which to express what they've learned, express themselves, use their voice. Like I love, um, there it is right there, uh, the the comment about the choice in voice. And, and you said it as well. Um, so allowing students to have that outlet that they prefer. You know, I gotta be honest, um, you know, I'm a pretty big Google user, although my district is definitely switching over. We, we're drinking the Microsoft Kool-Aid these days and I love it, um, but, I think I got to the point where I'm like, dude, if I see another Google Slides presentation for a summative assessment where students are showing their learning, like I'm gonna just leave because there are so many new and really awesome and and just student friendly uh, ways to to have that outlet that the students would prefer versus just clicking through the slides. Plus they stand there at the keyboard and they click through. I'm like, just use a darn presentation remote even. But anyway, I guess that's my, my love hate relationship with Google slides and PowerPoint. And, but you know, sometimes it comes back to, well, that's what the, the teacher may feel comfortable with at that time, maybe not knowing those tools. So I love that as for, as our jobs, you know, it's to bring in these tools where you give and amplify voice and choice. And like I said, I, I remember like giving my students options to either you have the option to either work on a slide presentation, then, you know, narrate over it. So now you've got Screencastify. Some of them would just say, well, can I just, you know, give you my summary and I just want to record myself? Do it. Use your cell phone. Use, uh, you know, if you've got Flipgrid on your mobile device. You've got, you know, something anyway any which way or different means that you can just to just show me that learning artifact. And so a lot of my fifth grade or sixth grade years, the last, I guess, five years that I was teaching, you know, doing sixth grade and fifth grade, 
that's really where I started. Like uh, I think uh, Eric had posted here, you know, giving them some more of that PBL. And it, it was interesting. Funny story is when I started introducing scratch coding into my science class and I was having the kids do um, the the planets. And the, so they were laying out writing code with scratch and they were doing the solar system. Um, the funny story is an administrator walked in and she was just walking around, walking around. And I was like, cool. I was like, you know, look at what they're doing. Uh, later on, the principal comes back at the end of the day and says, hey, uh, I just wanted to let you know somebody I wanted somebody reported you saying that all the kids are doing in here. They're just playing games. You know, are you teaching? I was like, oh, yeah, look, let me show you what what I'm doing. And uh, so he saw what we were doing with Scratch and they were programming. They were still learning the solar system and just adding that additional component, that additional layer where students were able to work on a little bit more hands on. And then that's where I learned that. Maybe when I do things like this, I definitely need to make sure I put them in my lesson plans and definitely tell my administrators what it is that I'm doing so they don't think that we're just in here playing video I games. A, I have somewhat of a similar story um, in terms of ed tech and, and using tools and, and kind of showing off to the administration. So one of the first tools that I started using that really changed the game for me in terms of using more technology in the classroom and it's still one of my favorites today. I've been a, a Nearpod pioneer since 2016. Love Nearpod. Um, I was start. I was transitioning into. Oh no, I, I don't know if I was a coach yet. I, I was still definitely a, cl a classroom teacher. I was a reading interventionist, and I had started using Nearpod. But I needed to. Our our high school was across the driveway. We kind of were on the same campus, but I had to go over to the high school one afternoon, and I was teaching. And so my principal actually covered my class for the 10 minutes or 15 minutes that I had to go across the street. And uh, I was using a presentation remote to flip through, to cycle through the slides in a Nearpod. And it was a live session. So it, the slides were also advancing on the student devices because we had just gone one-to-one. -one. And I, my principal came, he said, all right, what are we doing? What, what do I, what do you want me to have them work on? I'm like, just take this remote and cycle through the slides and they'll know exactly what to do. It's super interactive. Like, trust me, they know what to do. And I came back and I think his mouth was like on the floor. I had to pick it up. He was like, this is so cool. And and it really, uh, it, it helped. Obviously, it helped my, my confidence level too. But um, it helped me realize how much uh, technology and that type of engagement um, was starting to become more of the norm for me. As a, as a teacher. And, um, and it wasn't actually too long after that, that, uh, that other people recognized that as well, because that's what helped launch me into my first role as a full time instructional coach, um, a position that was really created for me by that same principle. So I don't, I don't think it was, you know, too much of a coincidence, but uh, fairly similar story. So I figured, I figured <laughs> I'd mention that. No, and that's great. That's wonderful. And so now going back to you know, the the teacher PD. And of course, I, I think that the, a lot of it, even with teacher PD and the conversation that we're having, definitely a lot of growth mindset that we're interweaving in here. And even with ourselves, you know, just having that growth mindset of, hey, you know, I can continue doing things the same way that I've been doing, or, hey, let me get out of my comfort zone a little bit and maybe step into that, that fear zone, but then get into that learning zone where I'm learning right along with my students as well. And you know, how or what are some ways that you've been able to do that, you know, within your your or to help your teachers just to kind of just keep that open mind and, and not to get either or feel overwhelmed or feel anxious or anything at all? You know, are you is your district maybe just saying, hey, we're going to standardize maybe just on just these three platforms or four platforms and that's what we're going to use for now and then slowly maybe build up or, you know, what are some of the things that you're seeing? Um, you know, I think that, and, and somebody said it in the chat too. I, I think that limiting people in terms of choices is not necessarily the way to go. Um, but to help them feel comfortable, uh, navigating maybe too many choices so they don't feel overwhelmed. Um, I'm going to get, uh, I'm going to get up on my soapbox here, I think, a little bit for, for a moment, if, you, if you'll indulge me. Um, I know you are a 
doctoral student. And um, I, I wanted to say something about that a minute ago, and and the thought escaped me. But uh, I have uh, I've done some research on this, and and I want to say, and maybe those of you can who are uh, in the chat can help a little bit because I have an acronym that I would really love to give you and and anyone listening and watching. It's uh, the word scope S C O P E, and and this is a basically a, a, a way for me to kind of remember my own themes that came out of the research that I did in my dissertation. Uh, but basically, in a nutshell, this is an acronym that will help uh, leaders, and when I say leaders, I do mean classroom teachers as well, inspire a growth mindset in others. I hope you're ready. Here we go. So the S stands for set high expectations and clear expectations is probably really the, the more important way to put it. So setting clear expectations. Um, and that's basically like the, the why behind what you're doing. Um, you know, having people understand um, what you what you want out of them is super important uh, because you can't really expect someone to grow or change if they don't know uh, what, what's in it for them, basically. Uh, the C is comfort, right? And, and so I think you can't really expect someone to adopt a growth mindset or change or adapt if you don't first address their discomfort. Why is it that you aren't feeling super comfortable about, about this? And take efforts and take the time and care to help make them feel more comfortable. It's really important. Uh, the O is basically for opportunities. Like you have to provide opportunities. And, and this kind of gets back to what we were saying before with like breakout EDU and kids feeling frustrated. Like you can't help them change the way they feel in terms of that frustration if you're not providing opportunities and of course coaching them and, and helping them through how not to feel that way. Right. So providing opportunities is, is really important as well. Um, the P kind of gets back to what I've already spoken to a little bit. Am I on the P? Yeah. Um, which is basically um, a sense of purpose. When I say sense of purpose, I, I don't necessarily mean the why necessarily, but it's really like, how do I as an individual kind of fit into this collective idea of moving towards something? Um, so it's kind of taking like the sense of the individual and making it more of like the sense of the, the collective, the, the classroom, the, the school staff, the organization. Um, how do we all fit into that? And, and then finally, the E uh, could basically stand for one of two things. Uh, I, don't, I don't necessarily narrow it down. It could either be enthusiasm um, or I've even said before, like a passion, although that doesn't start with E. Um, but um, that, you know, there's that quote, and I think I might botch this one as well, but there's that quote out there that I see sometimes that basically says like, nothing good ever came without enthusiasm or something like that. I don't know who said it, but I see it a lot and I'm probably botching it. But basically no one gets behind an idea that someone has if they're, just kind of ho-hum about it. I, I don't even think I've ever used the term ho-hum, but you know what I mean? Um, like, why would I want to change what I'm doing if you don't even seem that thrilled by it? You know what I mean? So um, that's the acronym. And and so rather than pointing to specific things that, that I've done or my school or anything like that, um, those are some ideas that I'm that I feel strongly about that that came out of my own research that I think um, and I've literally put this on a poster even, uh, for people at my school too. the scope. Um, I, it's, I said, scope out our, our growth mindset is, is I think the cheesy little, um, slogan that I put on it. But anyway, um, I really think that those things are, are what people need to keep in mind when it comes to, um, leading change, when it comes to trying to grow minds, um, and, and get people out of their comfort zones. You referred to it before, as I don't remember what you called it. You called it something zone. I like to call it the grow zone, right? Mm -hmm. you, you get out of the comfort zone and you kind of break through that fear and whatever's holding you back. And then you're free. You're free to grow. You're free to uh, adapt, as you said before. Yeah, that's awesome. And I One of us froze. I'm not sure whether it's me 
or Fonz. There we go. There it is. Sorry about that. No problem. I, yeah, I am hardwired this time, so I don't want Chris Nessie to say, hey, well, that's why you need a hardwire. I was like, hey, I'm hardwired, all right? <laughs> but uh, going back here, Dan, I think that this is great, uh, what you shared here, scope it. It's very clear, and I think that this is something that is great for any instructional coaches that are out there, uh, you know, or anybody in that role, or even just as teachers. I mean, this is definitely something that works out in in every capacity because, I mean, everywhere you go, whether you're in leadership, whether, you know, you may be in the classroom or whatever capacity you serve, you know, setting those clear expectations, the comfort level, the opportunities, the purpose and enthusiasm. I think that, you know, Dan, this is something that's great. Actually, and sorry, I... Uh I said there were like two E's. It could go either way. There was enthusiasm and also, and this is really important, and, I, and I, I'm sorry I forgot it in the first iteration, um, empower. Empowerment empower. is huge. Because at some point, unless that empowerment takes place, it's going to be very hard for someone to really stick with something. If they don't feel like it is now owned by them it's now something that that they are like in the driver's seat of so to speak uh it's that's that's tough you know they got to feel like they're owning it that they're a part of it as well oh that's awesome i love it so i'm adding that so that'll be actually kind of like i'm trying to uh, type it in and so it'll be s-c-o-p and parentheses e squared yeah there you go there you go hey you i think you need to make a shirt with that dan <laughs> honestly i mean i'd definitely be buying that shirt for sure i'd be definitely scoping it out Nice. <laughs> scope it out. Scope out our growth mindset. There you go. Scoping out the growth mindset. But I think that that's just a, a great, um, you know, philosophy, a great start for anybody. And like I was mentioning, just really in any capacity that you're serving, you know, and going back to even enthusiasm and empower, I think that's something that's very important too, to be able to empower a teacher. When you empower a teacher and they feel that they can, you know, take what they have and maybe try something different and not be like, oh, well, excuse me, you're not sticking to what we need to do. This is exactly what the curriculum says and this is what we need to do and be real rigid. I mean, that can definitely uh, that's right? that compliance. That'll Quiet. weigh down no that'll good. weigh down enthusiasm for sure. That'll weigh down that empowerment. But if you kind of say, hey, Here's our curriculum. Here's kind of the, the way that it lays out. Hey, have at it, you know, but, you know, when you still get that freedom and say, all right, let's do things this way. And you're still, you know, being purposeful and meaningful with your lessons and you're you're still getting the data. You're getting those results. I mean, it, it doesn't really matter how you teach it. Obviously, you want to teach it effectively. But I think like at some point, you know, the administrators kind of have to say, hey, all right, you know. I see that they're doing things maybe a little bit different than this teacher, although they're still getting maybe the same results or maybe even better, you know, eh, you know, I can kind of, you know, let them be. But sometimes, like you said, you know, compliance and compliance can be something that's very difficult for a lot of teachers. And especially now, you know, you, you know, have virtual walkthroughs and things of that sort. Yeah. Uh, what you were just saying really reminded me of a conversation I just had and, and a podcast episode that I just released where we talked about the word trust. And and as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, not only is compliance sort of the enemy of empowerment, but it's the enemy of trust too. Um, how, if you're a leader, a building leader, how are your teachers going to trust you when all you're doing is telling them exactly what to do? Or if you're a classroom teacher, how are your students going to really trust you when you're not allowing them to have that choice and the voice that, that they really, I mean, some of them don't know that they need it, but they really need it, you know? So, um, it depends, I guess, how, how old the kids are, how much of that you can really give them, how much time you could turn over to them, but still, uh, I've not worked really as an elementary teacher, but even I know that students from an early elementary still need that, that empowerment as well. Oh yeah, most definitely. And you know, that's one of the greatest things, like yeah, at least serving at the elementary level, you know, at the high school, like I said, at, at the high school level, I, I was barely fresh out of business, you know, not even, I didn't say like college. I was already, I'd been working in marketing for about two and a half years. And then I just w went into teaching and just fell in love with teaching. I was like, man, and that's because I told myself I never want to be a teacher. Like I want to go to the business school and I want to make money. I was like, now it's like I've been in education and I couldn't be any happier because uh, I, I just fell in love with it because a lot of the marketing skills that I would learn, 
I've been able to apply it within the classroom and within my current work environment. And it really helps. I mean, getting to know people, getting to know my customers, my people, my students, that personalized learning. I think that I was doing a little bit of that before it even became a buzzword. And then, you know, now it's personalized learning, but it was just a great learning process. But, um, you know, where was I going with this? I kind of lost track there. But anyway, uh, going back to the students and learning right along with them. I think one of the things, too, is that a lot of teachers just feel very scared to not know what they don't know. You know, sometimes it's like you go in there and you think you've got things down, you've got things under control, and then, you know. I don't know, it, I don't know if it, you saw my dog just ruining the whole green screen effect there behind me. Did you see that? <laughs> I saw like, that, but it's you know, all good. Like I, I don't have this virtual background behind me. That's a greyhound, by the way, right? The greyhound? Yeah. All right. But uh, going back to that, it's just uh, like I was uh, talking about there. I kind of lost my train of thought there a little bit. But uh, uh, learning with students, it being vulnerable, like I think at this time, I mean, that's something that I know a lot of teachers may be experiencing going back to kind of having that control, that confidence you're going through your lessons on a day-to-day. -day, and then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, my goodness, I, I don't know how to do this. And I'm going to look ridiculous if if I try a flip grid and then my students don't, you know, it doesn't work. You know, I think that sometimes, you know, just being able to just say, hey, take a step back and say, hey, you know what? It didn't work quite well this time. So let's just continue and do something different and just adapt to the situation and maybe come back. I think those are some of the biggest lessons that I've learned, you know, through those years uh, in elementary, not so much at the high school, but in elementary and even now. Currently, you know, I'm still learning. I still make mistakes, but I, you know, it's part of the process. But that that vulnerability, it does take a toll on on some people. What are your thoughts on that? You know, I mean, we're only human, right? I mean, I, I definitely am okay with the the term vulnerability, but I, I still think it's part of that growth mindset thing and and being a lifelong learner. That's what I was actually thinking of before. Um, I forget what you said, but it sort of triggered in my mind, like. As a doctoral student, I don't know if you've got, gotten people to ask you, you know, why you're doing it or what you expect when you get the degree. For me, it was like, I just want to go back and, and really reach the pinnacle of education because I think that uh, not only is it on brand for, you know, for what I do content creation wise, but in my role in my school and in my district, um, just to, to live that ideal of being a lifelong learner. And I think that if if teachers are, are truly trying to get their students to be lifelong learners, then of course they need to be as well. That's not me advocating that for every teacher to go out and get their doctorate degree. Um, I realize that's not for everybody, but to find something to, to keep pushing yourself um, to, to be vulnerable. I don't, I don't know if you can hear the squeaky toy behind me. My dog yeah. is like going crazy hey. right now. I apologize. Oh, hey, no worries. Um, I'm such a, like an audio kind of a freak with the podcasting. I'm like, no, now he's going to have this squeaky toy in the background. Anyway, uh, I digress. Um, you know, you definitely, definitely need teachers to be vulnerable enough to a recognize that they don't know everything and therefore they cannot control everything in their classroom as as we've mentioned uh, but also that there are things and people out there where they can get help with the things that they don't know um i'll, I'll refer back to george kuros in the innovators mindset who basically says like at this point and and that book was written a handful of years ago now at this point if teachers are living in isolation, then that is a choice that they are making. And, and I'm going to go even further to say that's a terrible choice that teachers are making to just be boxed into the four walls of their own classroom and never really branch out and reach out beyond that. Uh, as an instructional coach in a couple of different buildings, I've uh, started I don't know how long they've lasted, but at least I've started uh, movements to have learning walks where teachers go into other teachers' classrooms and just watch what's going on for a little while, you know, non-evaluative, non-judgmental, but just here's what's happening. Here's what I'm noticing. Here's what I think I might be able to kind of steal in terms of the ideas and, and what I might be able to implement in my own classroom. And it's been really powerful. And the way that I sell that to teachers is I tell them, 
I don't think you guys realize how fortunate I am as a coach to get to to have the privilege of coming into all of your classrooms and seeing all the great things that you're doing. I'm learning so much. I can only imagine how much you all can learn from each other if you just take a little bit of time to walk into someone else's classroom and watch what's going on rather than just spending the whole time in your own classroom. Um, and I really do believe in the power, I guess, in, in collaboration in that sense where, um, you know, teachers should also be vulnerable enough to think that um, it's okay to have other teachers visit them and that they should be going out and visiting other teachers and watching what they're doing too. I think that's super helpful, super powerful. Oh, it is. It most definitely is. And, uh, you know, and even like you said, as our roles, you know, we get to see these teachers in action. We get to see the amazing things that they're doing and still continue to learn from them and then share that with everybody else. And then they become that expert. You empower them and say, hey, how would you like to maybe do a presentation or, hey, how would you like to do something like this? And by empowering them and then, you know, you, you're using that resource that you have, that amazing teacher that is really engaging those students. And then you get to share that knowledge within your district. And so now you, you're building up that expertise within your district. And uh, so I think that those are some great things that one can do is you continually learn from one another. And of course, having that open door, you know, it, it, like you said, don't be in silos anymore. You know, it's, we need to all collaborate and work together for that common goal, which is really to educate our students and really reach out to them and prepare them for those future, future work skills that they're going to need. And a lot of it involves collaboration, communication, you know, all those, some of those tech skills that now we're learning and, uh, you know, teachers are, you know, bless them, you know, they're doing an amazing job. I mean, just from one day to the next doing what they're doing. And a lot of them have grown. I was just having this conversation earlier today with our executive superintendent. I was saying, isn't it amazing, you know, a year ago where, you know, we weren't anywhere near where we are now. And now we've got teachers that would never attend any trainings or said, nah, I don't need any of that. Now, you know, they're, they're doing great. They're really, some of them have embraced this change and have done very well and are very, you know, just they're stars and I'm learning from them because they get to be there in the front lines with the students and they get to do all of these things that later we get to share within our district. And so it's just been really amazing. So I, you know, I, that's one of the things that I love the most, just seeing that growth from the teachers. And then of course the impact that it's going to have on the students, you know, also building that community. It's so important to, to do that, especially right now during this time where students are even in isolation Think that, and but that's a whole other topic that we can continue talking about. But uh, we won't get into that. But uh, you know, Dan, you know, we we're pretty much coming down to running out of time here. But I would love to give you some time. You know, please let our audience know where they can find you, what your projects are. You know, when your next podcast is, what did you just release, and what are you working on? You know, go ahead and, and share with our audience. Well, thanks so much for that opportunity and and just the chance to come on here and and chat with you and anybody listening. Um, there's been awesome comments in the in the chat too. And shout out to Mel and Maria and Eric and Tim and everybody uh, who's been chatting along. And and um, I do just want to shout out uh, who was it? It was Mel who asked, you know, basically how do you get those teachers out of their silos? I'd love to continue that conversation with you, Mel, at some point. I do have some ideas, but, um, you know, I host the leader of learning podcast. Uh, you can find that obviously on any podcast app that you so choose, uh, whatever you listen to podcasts on, we are there leader of learning.com as well. And, and, you know, you could see it above me really that the tagline here is that we provide inspiration to transform education through effective leadership, but we do so with the lens that, um, and I say this at the end of every podcast episode, no matter who you are or where you are, you too can be a leader of learning. So it's basically labelless leadership. You know, it doesn't matter what role you're in or what title you have. If you're an educator, you're a leader. And, um, and, and that's why my, um, you know, my brand, my podcast is all about just like you can be a leader regardless of whether you're an administrator or you have a title or not. So, um, Thanks, Mel. I'm looking forward to you tracking me down. 
uh, a little scared, but looking forward to it. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Um, yeah, no. So leader of learning podcast, we're, we're approaching our hundredth episode. Um, we, we launched in the episode one, uh, we'll forget about the kind of pilot episode zero that I did in the spring of 2017, but it, we officially, uh, re released the first episode in 2017 in the spring uh, in the fall rather. And, uh, it's been, it's been an awesome ride. Um, fairly recently started a monthly series and i so i say we because there isn't now a we behind leader of learning uh rochelle danae poth who is an amazing educator and i call her the hardest working woman in education yeah. she's a teacher she's an author she's an attorney mm -hmm. for christ's sake um she just does everything man she's she's been awesome to bring on as a co-host in in the series that we called devil's advocate where we tackle trending topics in education um but just a lot of fun with it you know just like i said before about students i do love the content creation side of things and um getting to help teachers and and make a bigger impact and a bigger splash in the field of education on a more global level versus just uh you know a school or a district level so i'm having a lot of fun with it i've been having a lot of fun with it for three and a half years and and getting to do my own show or, and getting to come on to awesome shows like this that you do it's it's a real it's a it's a blessing and, and it's a real honor and so much so that um my son is now on here just left a comment in youtube appreciate that shout out to evan krinas there he is uh, apparently it took him this whole time i think maybe that's what he was trying to bug me about like out of the corner of my eye over here i saw him trying to creep in and i was like chewing him away he was just trying to find he was just trying to trying to find dad no. anyway Fonz thank you so much man I, I really appreciate the conversation no, thank you Dan the honor's all mine too to just have somebody you know like yourself who's been established and I mean following you and the amazing work that you've that you do what you've done what you post and obviously for me you know the show also is just a, a great way for me to continue my education and learning and I mean what great what better way to to learn or one better person to learn from than you know so people like yourself and any of the other guests that we've had. So thank you so much for taking the time out of your, your day to be here and just share. And like you said, making the connections because that's what Maya Tech Life's all about, connecting educators one show at a time. Maria, Javier, Gerardo, Evan, you know, Eric was here, Tim. Thank you so much for joining us and all of you guys that will be uh, watching the replay or listening later on as well. Thank you so much for uh, joining us on this wonderful show. This is show number 36. Don't forget to visit us on our website at www.myedtech.life where you can catch and watch or listen and watch all our shows there. And this show will be up there in the next couple of minutes. And we'll definitely be sharing that out on all our social medias as well. So you can connect with us there. And if you're ever interested on being a, a guest on My EdTech Life, head over to the website and you'll see the contact page. Shoot us an email and or give us some feedback, guys. If there's something that you like that we're doing, hey, you know, give us a shout out. We'll love to, you know, play your comments or show your comments on the next episode or, you know, read your comments uh, here. But again, thank you so much for all of your support. And We'll see you next Wednesday with our another special guest that we'll be having, which will be Gerardo Navarrete that we will be having, I believe. <laughs> Let me just double check that. I believe it is Gerardo, or if not, it's going to be Rochelle, but... Let me just double check, guys, because I want to make sure that I got you. Yep, it's going to be Gerardo Navarrete. So I want to let you know that my friend Gerardo Navarrete, this will be a Spanish show. Okay, so again, just this is going to be reaching out to our Spanish audience that we will be having. So I'm really excited. Gerardo will be the third guest that we'll have where we're going to do an all Spanish show. But Gerardo definitely has a great uh, trajectory and a great um just uh, pretty much accomplishments that he's done in Mexico, you know, not only through Google, but working at university, working from elementaries and now being a consultant and everything. So it's going to be a great chat just to see things through a different lens, you know, and what's going on in his world over there in Campeche. So we're excited about that. All right, guys. So hopefully you'll join us next week for that show. So everybody, thank you so much. I appreciate you making us part of your Wednesday. And until next time, my friends, please stay techie.